to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Many of you know that six young clergywomen from all over the country came to Denver Sunday to spend a couple days together. I sort of arranged a last-minute urban retreat for the seven of us, and so in the midst of Advent, when they couldn't really afford to leave their lives, they all made haste to Denver. They also couldn't afford not to. Could you turn it down just this minute? We needed each other. We needed to not feel so weird. We needed to not feel so alone. We needed to laugh and eat and embrace and lay around telling stories. One such afternoon when we were laying around telling stories, the topic of parishioners who offer information about themselves came up. See, people offer information to their pastors that we welcome but never actually ask for. And sometimes I think it would be interesting to compile a list of these things. Once, someone completely out of the blue said, Hey, Pastor Nadia, I just, I just want you to know that when I show up to church and I'm still a little drunk, I don't volunteer to do the readings or prayers or anything. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> one of the more heartbreaking ones in recent memory, which I have the person's permission to share, is that as someone who struggles with depression and anxiety, they said it's hard to show up on Sunday nights because they usually spend all weekend long isolating, and so showing up here means getting dressed and leaving the house for the first time since they came home from work Friday afternoon, plus usually they're stoned. Uh, so I was like, look, we live in Colorado, so I'm pretty, sure, uh, pretty much assume everyone is stoned, but also I promise that you are far from the only person in the room for whom coming to church was the only thing they did all weekend. Not even close. You are not alone. I promise you. But isolation is like an epidemic in our culture. I myself can feel alone much of the time, especially when I imagine myself to be so unlike others. The more terminally unique I fancy myself to be, the more alone I feel. I think I feel the most isolated when I feel like no one understands me or when I feel like no one sees me, like I don't match anyone. And on an existential level, yes, okay, fine, we, we're alone, meaning we're singular. No one is me and no one is you and every snowflake is unique and yada yada. But ironically, this is exactly what makes us the same. We all share the same experience of being unique individuals who sometimes feel alone. This is actually what connects us. And I suspect that we tend to forget it, at least I know I do. I thought of all this when I was reading the story of when Mary visited her kinswoman, Elizabeth. I mean, I'm certain that were the angel Gabriel to visit me when I was a young teenager and tell me that even though I was a virgin, I would become miraculously pregnant, I would freak out. At the very least, 
I would feel alone and like no one would ever understand me. No one would ever get how weird and amazing that all was. And yet, how good is God that God gave Mary and Elizabeth to each other? Their crazy lives jagged in such similar ways. Elizabeth was totally isolated in seclusion. And Mary was quickly going to be ostracized when the reality of her belly full of God grew under the scornful gaze of her small town. How beautiful that they had one another. I was reading this story wondering, when the angel said to Mary, you will conceive and bear a son, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child will be called holy. And now... Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for, who, for her who was said to be barren. How would this story have been different if rather than running to go and be with Elizabeth, if Mary's response was Elizabeth, whatever, I mean, she's like old. She's like my mom's age. And then she totally blew off the opportunity to connect with her kinswoman. If this was her reaction, she would have missed out on God's provision of another weird person with whom to give and receive love and comfort, a mistake I've sadly made more than a few times in my own life, which is sad because I believe it is our God's desire that we be together, that we find love where we can in those whom God has given us. These two women were given one to another. They were given the provision of another outcast with whom to make a bond. They were given the provision of another person. The angel had said to Mary, guess what? You're not alone. Elizabeth has also conceived a weird Holy Spirit baby. And is that exactly what's happening with you? No, but close enough, go hang out. So she makes haste to the hill country, a brave journey, if ever there was one. And it's such a tender scene when she arrives, these, these two women in their exquisite embrace, pregnant with the message and the messenger. It's one of my favorite images in art, the visitation of Mary and Elizabeth. You could say that on that day there were only two Christians in the whole world, Mary and Elizabeth, they greet each other, they confess their faith. Elizabeth was the first to call Jesus Lord. Then John the Baptist does what might be the first liturgical dance as he <laughs> leaps in Elizabeth's womb. <laughs> and then Mary sings a hymn about God's mercy and the upturning of the social order, which we sung twice tonight. It's one of our favorites. It's as though... This is the first Christian worship service. Two people for whom life has not been easy, but who have received mercy from God, Mary and Elizabeth, both inappropriately pregnant. One is too young and too unmarried, and the other is too old and has suffered a life of shame for not having children. Now, not for nothing, but any grown woman without children, by choice or not by choice, can attest to the fact that this is still a reality 2,000 years later. But I digress. And since Mary stayed with her for three months, I imagine them, like earlier in my own week, laughing and eating and embracing and laying around telling stories. 
How good is God that God gave them one to another. Mary and Elizabeth says the Lord, you are not alone. And the same is true of us. We are given one to another. We are not alone. We belong to God, and because we belong to God, we belong to each other. And perhaps this is the message of the birth of Jesus. After all, Emmanuel actually means God with us. What is the incarnation if not God's love overflowing the heavens and coming to be with us as though to humanity isolated from God and from each other, God comes as a baby to say, you are not alone. I mean, sure, we feel alone, but feelings are different from facts, or as my friend Sarah says, feelings are stupid. (laughs) What's real is that you are not alone, not at all. So, remember how Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed God's promises? Well, we too have a promise. It is that Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, he is with us. We are not alone. Not where two or more are gathered and have the correct doctrine. Not where two or more are gathered and have the right kind of worship service. Not where two or more are gathered under a rainbow flag. No, just... Pretty much where two or more gathered, that's all it takes to be given one to another, to be with God together. God becoming human was like God's message to us. You are not alone. You are not alone in your sin. You are not alone in your joy. You are not alone in your grief. You are not alone. God is giving us one to another like like a puzzle, actually. Individually, we have such snaggled edges, such unique contours, but that shouldn't keep us away from others since those rough parts are meant to be fitted together with the other jagged-edged sinners of God's redeeming. After all, the odd, jagged parts of ourselves are what connects us to each other and to God. Even if we think the project of religion and spirituality is to sand down the edges of our rough, irregular selves and our stories so that we become nice and smooth and holy, and yet, honestly, I can't think of a better prescription for isolation. Let us pray. God with one to another... We ask that you interrupt our isolation. Send your holy angels to remind us that we are not alone. And on a personal note, please protect all the amazing people who are going home this week to families who don't know how to love them well. Help them to know they are not alone and return them to us quickly because, you know, they belong to us. In Jesus' blessed and holy name, amen.